This episode of Coffee with Kenobi is brought to you by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. For all of your travel needs to the Disney theme parks, the cruise lines, or anywhere you want to go on vacation, be sure to go to our affiliate link, which can be found in the show notes, on the front of our webpage, or on our Twitter feed, to sign up for a free, no-obligation quote. We're also brought to you by One Nation Coffee, the official brew of coffee with Kenobi. For the best coffee in the galaxy, go to www. At onenationcoffee.com and sign up for a subscription service so you never miss out on the best coffee in the galaxy. This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is James Arnold Taylor, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Hmm, I have a good feeling about this. Everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Kenobi, show number 279. We are your spoiler free place for Star Wars discussion, analysis, and rhetoric. I'm here drinking One Nation coffee out of my Boba's Beans mug from Celebration Chicago. It's a funny sounding name, but it's a great looking mug that I got from Celebration. It's green, it's really nice, it's got the slave one on the back. And it is a part of the fun that is Star Wars on today's show. Clayton Sandell and Jim Hill join me to discuss the legacy of Peter Mayhew. And then later in the show, CWK newsman Tom Gross will talk with us about some Galaxy's Edge excitement via the food options that are coming, including breakfast options that were just revealed. And then some news about the future showrunners for the next Star Wars film after The Rise of Skywalker. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite coffee mug, and let's have some coffee with Kenobi. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Joining me today for a cup of coffee, we have two very special guests. This first segment is going to feature our dear friend, Mr. Jim Hill, sharing his reflections on Peter Mayhew. Jim, welcome back to Coffee with Kenobi. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I, I just wish we were here for a happier occasion. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm at, I'm at the, the point in my life where 75 years old seems young. You know. It's, no, I agree with you. You know, um, you know, just. But I guess that's that's the thing when you think about uh, you know uh, what he managed to accomplish in those 75 years, uh, and more to the point, given you know the outpouring of, of affection that we've seen from the Star Wars community, it you know Peters was a life well lived. Oh, very much so. And you you actually have met Peter Mayhew. Tell us about that and what he was like face-to-face. Well, I, you know, to be fair, you know, I met Peter after he'd had his double knees replacement. In fact, you, you we just, you know, we were talking a little bit off air here, and I identified it as a walking stick. He said, no, 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 he had a lightsaber. Um, you know, but that was the thing. He was, he was having trouble getting around at that point. In fact, that's, you know, it, I think it's a real tribute to him given the health issues that Peter had at that point that he still went on and, you know, felt it was important, you know, to do, you know, Chewbacca himself, uh, for a lot of, uh, the force awakens. Um, but at the same time, uh, you've had dealings with, with, with Junus. Is, is that the name of the gentleman who sort of, you know, yeah, Junus Watamo. And he was very, very, when I talked with Peter, who was very, very gracious about Junus that, you know, uh, first of all, making a joke that he was happy they found somebody else to fit the suit. Cause face it, you know, Peter was what <laughs> seven foot, three inches tall. Yeah. He, he um, was, he was a, a mammoth of a man. Mm-hmm. But but also very, very sweet and gentle. And I think a lot of that actually came from, I mean, people. a lot of people don't know that Peter never meant to be an actor. That, that um, in fact, what was it? He was a, a hospital orderly in radiology at uh, King's College uh, Hospital in London. Uh, and he was very happy in that career, uh, and from what I've heard, was a, a you know a, a wonderful uh, you know technician, you know a beloved member of the hospital. Um, and but what was it? They were shooting. Um, uh, Ray Harryhausen was doing the latest Sinbad movie. I want to say Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, 
and they were looking for somebody to wear the Minotaur outfit in uh, that movie. And for some odd reason, Peter's name came up because, of course, he's seven foot three, so he has enormous feet, and they needed someone with enormous feet to fit this costume. And, you know, and he, that was literally his first work on a film, you know, at the age of 33 and just sort of did it as kind of a lark. Um, and then because Star Wars was also being shot in London at that time, is, am I getting this right? The New Hope? Right. Um, that George, or George was over there doing auditions for it. And uh, he was trying to persuade David Prowse initially to put on the Chewbacca outfit. And David was like, I'd really prefer to be Darth Vader. And so they were, they were looking for somebody else to wear this, you know, this outfit, this, this enormous, uh, you know, furry character. And, 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 you know, Peter shows up for the audition and, you know, uh, I, I guess the story that George tells is that Peter stands up, you know, they, they call him in for the, uh, you know, for the audition and, Peter stands up from the waiting room and George takes one look at him and like, you're hired, you know, just sort of like, <laughs> uh, you know, just being that size, you're the guy I, you know, I want in the suit, but, uh, but, I, but it was such a lucky break because, you know, Peter was so sweet and so gentle, but, you know, had such a, a unique sense of humor and he was able to get that to come out through the suits, you know, which, you know, look, you and I both know, having been to a, a number of events where there are other people in Chewbacca outfits, how difficult these these costumes are to wear, and how difficult it is to emote and you know you know get an emotion to come through that much fur. And oh yeah, I mean you really have to sell it with through your through your actions, your posture, your and then those eyes, those and those piercing eyes that he had. No, that that that's it exactly. And he was so good at that character. In fact, I, I think you and I were, were were talking about this just prior to recording. And that I think what was great about when George paired him with Harrison Ford is these were two men. I mean, think about it. You know, that you know, Peter's a hospital orderly till he's thirty three years old, and Harrison was a working actor, but but not a particularly successful working actor. So. He made his living for a lot of the time, you know, in the in the late sixties and and often into the the early seventies as a carpenter. And so you have a carpenter in a hospital orderly, you know, these two men who lived in the real world, who are now in the fantasy realm, and who who brought that wonderful level, that element of reality to these 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 fantasy characters. And um and and for me, you know, half. I mean, think about when you saw that first teaser trailer for The Force Awakens and that last shot, you know, of of Han and Chewie, you know, coming into the Millennium Falcon, and it's, Chewie, we're home. And, and you know, you were ready to put down your money to see that movie right there because of the relationship between those two guys who'd been doing it since, what, 75, 76? Right. And... And if I'm counting right, what is it? Peter was in seven of the nine Star Wars books. Uh, Let's see, he was in he was in the original three. He was mm-hmm. in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. so that's four. And then he was in The Force Awakens. Okay. I, oh, so it. We have to note here that that uh, for uh, the Last Jedi, if, you, if you're watching. The credits closely. Uh, Peter actually rates a credit. He's a Wookiee consultant. That's right. I remember but, seeing that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that he was. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was. He was very. Um, you know. You know. Very straightforward about you know how we enjoy Jonas's work, but at the same time, he did talk with him before handing off the character. You know about you know who Chewie was. And I, you know, and I'd love to have sat in on that session. I was just going to say the same thing that yeah. when I interviewed Eunice at uh, Galactic Nights uh, last year, or almost last year at this time, mm-hmm. he uh, he remarked about how generous and gracious Peter Mayhew was, and sort of sort of like a he didn't say Wookiee boot camp, 
but there was some definite, some serious conversations about, you know, what your posture is like and sort of your, sort of your inner monologue as you are this character. And it's great just seeing shots of their relationship, the two of them together and seeing Eunice, he had a wonderful write up in time magazine about Peter Mayhew and his impact. And I think it's wonderful. And in fact, this week I've been watching return of the Jedi with my mythology students and I'm watching Chewbacca knowing that that's Peter Mayhew and, and just, it makes it even more nostalgic. And he really does bring that, uh, as Princess Leia so lovingly says, that walking carpet to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do want to talk real quickly. We started at the top of the show talking about you meeting him. Was this for an interview or was it just you were both at the same place? Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. The, the reason he and I struck up the conversation is that – did you ever get to see Mark Hamill's comic book, The Movie? No. Oh, all right. You, you have to chase this down. It was actually shot on location at Comic-Con. And the thing is that, that Mark is sort of riffing on the whole Comic-Con experience, but there is one wonderful shot in the movie where it's, it's sort of in that, that, that null space between the two convention spaces, the sale pavilion, I think they call it. And, and Mark, uh, you know, is blasting by this table, uh, you know, with, with three gentlemen sitting at it. But the thing is, if you know your star Wars history, you sort of gasp because it's, it's David Prowse, Jeremy Bullock and Peter Mayhew, all of them out of their outfits, you know, that, that, you know, they, they, these three gentlemen who played iconic Star Wars characters, but it's their first time on camera together outside of their costumes. And Mark, and, you know, Mark insisted on having them in the movie like that. So for once they'd be on camera, you know, out of their outfits, more to the point to have them all together. Uh, but yeah, it, it, that's, that movie is worth it alone for the, just the most amazing, uh, set of cameos because it's everybody that, that Mark does voice work with or has done voice work with Tom Kenny, Billy West, you know, uh, you know, Jess Harnell, they're all in this on camera. Um, and it, it's also kind of a loving, uh, Valentine to Comic Con in San Diego before it got so big and so corporate, but, uh, very, very, very much worth, uh, checking out. But, um, I was, I, you know, I, that's actually how I start off my interview with, with, um, with Peter. Cause it's like, I, I recognized you immediately from your work in, in, in comic book, the movie. He just, he, his face split open. Cause it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, it was first time I was able to take my family, my kids to see me, in, you know, outside of the suit in a movie. Um, but uh, speaking of, um, uh, Peter in the suit and, the thing is, we've all seen uh, his wonderful work in the movies. We've all seen his wonderful performance as Chewbacca. But the really, really, really good work that Peter did in the Chewbacca suit was usually just for an audience of one, maybe two. Um, have you heard about his hospital visits? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, Peter, again, you got to understand, this is a guy who started off his career as a hospital or so he knew, you know, how miserable life was when you were a kid and you're sick and you're in the hospital. So when he'd hear from make a wish or give kids the world or, or that sort of thing about a really sick kid who just, you know, loved Chewbacca, um, you know, that he had a, a, a deal with, with Lucasfilm, you know, to the effect of, okay, there's a kid. And it's like, okay, we'll ship you the outfit. And he would, he'd go to the hospital, he'd black his eyes and he'd put it on the outfit and he'd walk into the room with the kid and he would just stay in there for a half hour or more interacting and playing with the kid as Chewbacca. And he did this dozens of times without receiving any publicity for doing it, Dan. You know, he just did it because he was a really sweet man with a very big heart. And he knew what this character meant to a lot of very sick little kids. And, you know, he, he made their lives a little better for a short amount of time. And when you think about how hot that suit 
was. And, you know, and especially, you know, if you're in a kid's hospital room, you know, and you're in there for a half hour, 45 minutes, you know, not a five or 10 minute, you know, take in a movie and then you can take the, the head off and cool down. Um, that says a lot about who Peter Mayhew was as a man. And I, again, this is one of the reasons I'll miss him because he never talked about that. You know, in fact, when I brought it up, he was just, you know, he seemed startled that I knew about it and then just sort of brushed it off because that's something he did in private. That was something he just did, you know, for the kids. I didn't even know about that. And I've really been trying to get more into the the stories about this man because you, you, you keep seeing in uh, online tributes that are, again, very lovely. And people are saying he just had a bigger heart than anything else. And I only saw him in passing a couple of times. I saw him at the solo premiere. He went past me up to the Lego display of the Millennium Falcon cockpit. And he just was just a, a very joyous man. He truly loved, uh, you know, his Star Wars persona, but he also just loved being there with the fans. Jim, this was awesome. I, I was hoping to get just some snippets about what he was like. And as usual, you do not disappoint. I'm so glad you, you, you took out a, you know, a, a few moments here to pay tribute to Peter Mayhew. Cause he, he, he again, it just really was a great guy who sort of, you know, totally by accident got into filmmaking and, and then again to, you know, they did the book, you know, the first movie makes, okay, it's a Ray Harry husband, you know, who's going to see that? It's a Saturday matinee. And he must have felt, honestly, the same way when he was making Star Wars, because it's like, I'm in an outfit just like the Minotaur, and, you know, this will be in theaters for five minutes, and, <laughs> you know, here we are, you know, <laughs> 30, 40-some-odd years later, still talking about that movie and the movies that were spawned from that, and, uh, you know, and how that character touched so many people. And, you know, in fact, I, I, just in closing, you know, uh, I, one of the things we talked about is, remember the... You know, before Disney bought um, this, the, uh, you know, Lucasfilm, they killed Chewbacca. Oh, know? I know. I, that made me not, I didn't buy or read a single Star Wars book for about six years because I was so upset they did that. Legitimately. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, but that was the thing when I got, you know, got to talk with him about that. And he's just like, it's like, you know, they tried. They can't kill this character. And he was right. Here we are today. So and thank goodness. Hey Jim, thank you so much. Where, of course, uh, can people find you if they want to hear more of your great work? Oh dear Lord. Um, let's see. There is the Disney Bit Dish podcast with Len Testa. There is the uh, fine tuning with for the gentleman you know, Drew Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There is uh, the Universal Giant podcast with Dustin Fuse. Uh, there is. Uh, I, you know, and I, I want that podcast uh, about Disney merch that I do with Michelle Viadoli. So um, there's a lot of stuff out there, you know. But and, and rumor has it, there's a you have a Lucas Home podcast too. Well, yeah, yeah, the other thing barely worth mentioning, you know, the, the looking at Lucas Home <laughs> that I do with this guy Dan Z, you know, and, and it seems reliable. He seems to know a little bit about Star Wars, you know. Um, but yeah, you know that that's well, again. That's what I do. And on the other hand, compared to Coffee with Kenobi, you know, and this is a thing. This this is something you should listen to. So, um, well, you you are anyway. very kind and very entertaining as always, my friend. I look forward to uh, chatting with you very very soon. Well, okay, I'll, I'll I'll be over here getting ready. So anyway, thanks again for for inviting me on for this, and and you know. Uh, our sincerest condolences to Peter Mayhew and his family, you know, that, 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 that genuinely sorry for your loss, but you know, we're, we're never going to forget him. His memory absolutely lives on Jim. Thank you again so much. We will take a quick break. This is coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall and you're listening to coffee with Kenobi. I am thrilled to get this opportunity to thank our wonderful CWK Patreon contributors, Jason Hall, Rebecca Raven, Dennis Keithley, Frank Mulder, Alexander Moylan, Ben Elkington, Melinda Wolf, Aaron Harris, Chris Kavarka, Angela Sauce, 
Mediocre Jedi, Jeffrey Hoban, Kurt McKellen, Yancey Evans, Dan Ream, Colby Mead, Brian Harding, Blake Weaver, Chris Hamm, Jim Capron, Caroline Maselli, Chris Metz, LJ Souter, Thea Selby, Jeff Ellis, Daz Davies, Christian Dale, Brian McKinney, Connie Shee, Jared Cantor, BJ Smith, Eric Struthers, Nick Deco, and Mark Suter. When you donate monthly to Coffee with Kenobi's Patreon page, you are a part of CWK Pour Over, which is our weekly podcast heard only for contributors of $5 or more a month. In this show, Corey, myself, and Tom Gross talk about popular culture topics. We have just released our third Avengers Endgame review, a complete blast. It's really fun to flex sort of our creative, critical thinking, analytical muscles on things other than Star Wars, although we certainly talk about Star Wars quite a bit. We also have some behind-the-scenes stuff that is great to talk about as well, and the feedback is tremendous. On our Patreon page, there is a place where you can post your ideas and thoughts, comments on the shows. There's also a way to add the shows to your podcatcher so you can listen to them uh, the way you would a normal podcast. It's great fun. Plus, on Patreon, you can get t-shirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, as well as access CWK Lens, which is a place where I can host, or I should say post, behind-the-scenes videos and pictures and things like that. And sometimes we announce things that you will hear before anybody else. And also, besides you doing this, you may be wondering, well, what else is the point of contributing to CWK's Patreon page? Well, you help out the show with the travel, the things that are going to happen this year, the expenses to create a podcast, the equipment, and all the things that go into it. Everything you do helps us to make the show even better. And I'm telling you what, I can't do it without you. So thank you so very, very much. If you have any questions, please email me at com, or just go to the red button on our webpage, coffeewithkenobi.com, or you can always go to patreon.com slash coffeewithkenobi. Thank you so much. We are closer and closer to the opening of Galaxy's Edge Batu, of course, at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And you want to go to Batu, you want to figure out how to get to Galaxy's Edge, and you want to figure out what the different expectations are and the way to get there. Well, the way to do this to me, is MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They have signature service and expert advice to help clients maximize vacation time and dollar. They feature a no-cost, no-obligation quote when you use the service, and they also proactively adjust at a booking if the rate goes down. They can help your family enjoy everything the Disney theme parks and the cruise lines have to offer, help plan every detail, and share invaluable tips. And again, Galaxy's Edge, you want tips to get to Batu and Galaxy's Edge. Mouse fan travel is absolutely the way to go. Be sure to go to our affiliate link, which can be found in the show notes on the front of our webpage or on our Twitter feed and sign up for a free, no obligation quote. Let's talk about Harry's razors for a moment. What do I love the most about shaving with Harry's? I think the best thing is the convenience. Of course, you've got an amazing shave. It's close, it's smooth, it's comfortable. The glide of the razor is awesome. But for me, because of all the things we have going on with our family, with the show and all the other things going on at our, at our day jobs, it sometimes gets more difficult to run out if you are running short and that razor blade is getting dull. But with Harry's, you don't have to worry about it because of the awesome subscription service. You can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash cwkfamily. Harry's founders were tired of paying up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads, flex balls, or handles that look like spaceships. Tactics that the leading brand has used to raise prices for decades. And they have fixed that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. They received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Harry's replacement cartridges are just $2 each. By the way, that's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they will give you a full refund. So here's what you need to do. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle, 5-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, 
rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash cwkfamily. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash cwkfamily to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support this show. It's time to go to our new segment. Tom joins us. Tom, thanks uh, for bringing us what I'm sure is going to be an informative and entertaining newscast, as you always do. No pressure. Oh, you know it. Oh, we are no pressure <laughs> at all. I mean, Lucasfilm and Disney makes it so easy to come up with some great Star Wars news every single week. So let's get started with uh, Walt Disney Company chairman Bob Iger confirmed this week during a media summit that the first Star Wars film post Skywalker saga will be brought to us by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss of the Game of Thrones series, of course. Now, Iger said, quote, we did a deal with Benioff and Weiss, who are famous for the Game of Thrones, and the next movie that we release will be theirs. And we're not saying anything more about it. End quote. So there you go. Now, in a statement released by Benioff and Weiss, they state, quote, we are honored by the opportunity, a little terrified by the responsibility, and so excited to get started as soon as the final season of Game of Thrones is complete. Now, Game of Thrones will wrap up this Sunday, May 19th. The Rise of Skywalker releases December this December, and the Benioff Weiss production is scheduled for release in December of 2022. The only thing I really want to say about this, um, because I am, I it is nice to get a little bit of confirmation. It doesn't really get much higher than Bob Iger. He's he's the man at the very top of the Disney ladder. Is that there were some people saying that this must mean that Ryan Johnson is out? No, what there these are mutually exclusive things. While both Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams and even George George Lucas. Uh, which is kind of fun to say since we are recording this on the day of George's 75th birthday. Happy yes. birthday, Mr. Lucas, of course. Indeed. Um, and then uh, the Game of Thrones creators, they're all sort of been working together. But this announcement is about what they're going to do, not what they're not going to do. And I think we should focus on that. Um, there seems to be a lot of consternation about what these creators have done with the Game of Thrones series. As I've only seen season one of Game of Thrones. Uh, and it was fine. It was fine. It's just not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but I understand and respect the passion and the fervor that people have for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I I will say what I've always said. I don't know what they're going to do with the Star Wars saga. We don't really know for sure with any kind of full confirmation what era it's going to be in. Uh, but what we do know is that Star Wars is still uh, family films, uh, different levels of families, I've said before. But... I think we should be optimistic because if they really are going to wait three years before they go to this, they're going to be very, very careful to make sure that this is cultivated and properly grown to be another successful Star Wars series of films. So I think we should be optimistic and look forward to what's going to happen. I mean, these guys obviously know how to make a marketable, exciting, social media buzzworthy creation. So this is good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I was real careful to choose my words on this one because there is a lot to, you know, it's an announcement, but it leaves a lot out there as well. And so that's why I said it's brought to, we're going to, it's going to be brought to us by uh, Benioff and Weiss and not directed or written, or we don't know that yet. And so I definitely don't think it's exclusive of anyone. It just is naming these two in particular. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Um, these guys clearly, have created um, as their titles have been sort of described as uh, with Game of Thrones as showrunners. Now I'm not exactly sure what that means, other than I know that the the Game of Thrones is written by uh, Martin and and whatnot. But uh, that set aside, you know this this gives a lot of excitement. And um, and Iger was also quoted today as saying that uh, the three years here is intentional. Uh, before planning purposes to be able to build up to something new. And so, um, so I think that leaves a lot on the table for what this team is going to, is going to look like, um, for that. Now, he also made another, uh, exciting, um, 
not real detailed announcement today. And during the same, same media summit, he also reconfirmed that the two live action TV shows, of course, The Mandalorian, which we've seen a bit about, and then we've also talked about the Cassian Andor uh, live action show, but he also confirmed a third live action TV show, Star Wars TV show, is in development for the Disney Plus streaming app. Now that just, I'm really excited about that. What are your thoughts on that? I, it was fun to see. I, I'm trying to wonder how they're going to fit it all in, but I guess if there's three years of a wait between movies, you know, I guess we're going to see the Mandalorian, presumably the entire first season before we see the rise of Skywalker. Again, we don't know for sure how they're going to distribute that first season, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a lot of time. So this is cool. I mean, I, I, I certainly agree with what Lisa Dillard, our CWK media specialist said, I would love to see an extension of the Han Solo universe with Alton Ehrenreich and Donald Glover. That would certainly be my vote, but it's, it's still cool to see. I mean, I want to reserve my complete throw your banner in the air until I actually get to see some of the Mandalorian, but I'm, I am cautiously optimistic that, you know, I have this, I have a very similar thought and that was, boy, they must be feeling really good about the reaction they got from fans at uh, celebration regarding the Mandalorian and that trailer and that whole feel to be able to, I mean, this is a, th- these are huge investments in oh, and yeah. announcing a third before the first has even come out and got any sort of critical review or fan review whatsoever. So that's pretty exciting to me that uh, they have that confidence to be pumping these out before we've even seen one of them. Totally agree. Totally agree. It's uh like you said, it is an investment. They put a lot of money into Disney Plus. Uh, really looking forward to November when we get to finally get our our eyes and ears on this exciting new really foray into Star Wars. I mean, live action Star Wars. Now we know we're going to get three different series. My goodness, yeah, that is that is so cool. Looking forward to that. And the other thing that just is sort of mind blowing is when you think about how excited I am. And I, not mind blowing for you, but when I think about, <laughs> I'm very excited that you're excited. <laughs> <laughs> but then I like I'm so pumped for Disney Plus for the Star Wars content. But think of all the other Disney content that's going to be there. That's what blows my mind. It's just wow. That's so amazing. Well, speaking of amazing, I hope you're not feeling too hungry right now because you might start chewing on your hand. Because well, you actually what you might want to do is just pause for a second, grab a bite to eat, come back after you've eaten because this next story is going to tantalize your taste buds. Grab a Star sandwich. Wars. I'm sorry. Grab a sandwich. Yes, yes. Well, Corey would say you, you boys want some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, that's a uh, that's a tip of the hat to the pour over shows. By the way, that's right. Um, yes. Hey, Galaxy's Edge uh, menu will bring a new and exotic flavor from a galaxy far, far away. The Disneyland Imagineers have promised an experience that will excite, or yes, excite the five senses. And by appearance and description, they won't disappoint. From Ogus Cantina to the Milk Stand, Ronto Roasters to Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo, a host of new dishes will be featured. Now, we've heard about some of the offerings from Ogus, including the spicy bloody rancor, the foaming fuzzy tauntaun, or the fruity carbon freeze. But Ronto Roasters will offer a barbecue off of a grill fired by a repurposed pod racing engine. And the spit is turned by none other than a smelter droid that's an ADJ8 model. Ronto Roasters' signature Ronto wrap will remind guests of a roasted pork and grilled sausage delight. The milk stand will not only give us the long-awaited blue milk flavor, but they'll also offer a green milk that will provide exotic tastes and fruity accents with a bit of a zip. Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo features Chef Stronto Cookie Tugs, who has an unusual set of dishes that include smoked cadu ribs, fried Andorian tip-yip, and batu ban for dessert. Now, have a look at several of these dishes and drinks and more on the Coffee with Kenobi webpage. So, Dan, what are you looking forward to trying first? Well, all of it. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I'm, one of my favorite things about the theme parks has always been the food. It's always been one of my favorite things because you get some of the best chefs in the world that come to Walt Disney World to create these concoctions because it's the number one travel destination in the world. 
So of course the chefs are going to come here because that's where the most people get to try their food and they have spared no expense or no, uh, they're, they're taking risks. I mean, smart risks. And you look at the menu in the descriptions. Um, they also just announced recently what they're going to have for breakfasts and things like that. But I think yes. the, for some reason, the fuzzy tauntaun just sounds appealing to me because I, I don't mind having a beer now. And then um, the car, the carbon freeze drink sounds delicious. Of course, the blue milk. I mean, everybody's going to want to try that, right? Oh, yeah. It's going to be their answer to Butterbeer at, at the Harry Potter Wizarding World from Universal Studios. <laughs> but there, there's a lot to be excited about. But I'm, I'm leaning more towards the excitement for all the different kinds of beverages. Is that right? Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, I'm just, yeah, I'm looking at the pictures on the website. And the, the, I'll say one thing about the beverages. They sure are colorful. Yes. And I, I like the one that's steaming. And it looks like it has little peas in there. That's got to be the um, that's got to be the uh, the uh, brew, the the beer there. But that looks pretty good. Um, but I am eyeballing these Ronto wraps. Yeah, it's got that sausage in there, and then it says it has the uh, the pork uh, in there. Oh, that looks delicious. And I have to say that whatever drink that is that's sitting there with it, the pink uh, the pinkish kind of drink, it looks like a pretty good mix. So yeah, I mean it all looks very savory and delicious. Ooh, there's a there's a shrimp and noodle dish and oh, there's this a title. is the 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 rune juice. The so what? Like the the mailerune? You know, like the mailerunes that they have in Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah. This is the juice from that fruit. Oh, nice turkey jerky. If you click on each picture, they have captions underneath that will tell you. But this is the turkey jerky and the Ronto oh, wrap is spiced grilled sausage and roasted pork found at Ronto Roasters. Yep, man. I mean, they, I mean, okay. you know, there, there's a certain subsect of photographers who, whose sole purpose is to photograph food. And my goodness, they look, they they outdid themselves here. The cabbage yeah. ribs look delicious. I, I am hungry. You actually, when you started talking, I am not kidding. I don't know if the microphone <laughs> picked it up, but my stomach started to growl. <laughs> It all oh, looks so good. Well, thank you so much. I really worked hard to um, to really sell that food. It, it. I mean, I. It, you don't have to sell it when you're looking at it, but I know everyone's listening and probably not. You know, just browsing the internet and hey, let's ride over to Cuffy's Kenobi while while Tom's talking and giving the news. So I wanted to really sell that. So I'm glad. I'm glad I did that. Thank you. I you good work. Well, that the drink <laughs> you said that was smoking. That is the carbon carbon freezes. It is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, click on the actual individual yeah, I see photos that, yeah. of all the foods and you're going to be so excited. Even like the popcorn looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh just really exciting stuff. Well, we are going to know soon uh, when we get um, to find out what people think about Galaxy Such Boy. Oh, man. I'm going to try to um, kind of curb my enthusiasm until we get closer to the event. But I, I could not be more excited for all of this. All of yeah. this. It's so fun. For so sure. fun. Why? Well, hey, thank you again, as always, oh, for sharing this great news with us. Of course. My pleasure. So we're going to take a really, really quick break. So quick, you won't even believe it. Like a light speed situation. And then we're going to get a little more serious again because Clayton Sandell will join us to continue our tribute to Peter Mayhew. This is Coffee with Kenobi. We're back, and we are joined by Mr. Clayton Sandell, another dear friend of Coffee with Kenobi. Clayton, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Yes, absolutely. I am uh, I'm honored to speak with you about Peter Mayhew, because uh, obviously Peter Mayhew, we've been talking about him throughout the show, uh, a, a big man, an even bigger heart, uh, always the consummate professional. You've had... Uh, of course, working in the industry, you have spoken with Peter at least once, uh, and I know you know a lot about sort of his impact on Star Wars and the fandom community. So I, I'm looking forward to your stories on this. Yeah, well, I, I mean, let's start with uh, February 27th, 1976. That is when our lives changed for the better, Dan. That is when Peter Mayhew signed his contract to be a part of this uh, crazy new sci-fi movie called Star Wars that George Lucas was working on. So that is when he signed his contract. And then uh, I believe his first day of filming was April uh, of that April 9th of that of that year. He um, suited up, 
That was the first day he was on set, stage three, uh, in the Docking Bay '94 set. Um, so that was uh, that was that was when it all changed and changed for the better. Absolutely. Um, he and he he right away. One thing I've been noticing, I, I your your piece on Nightline was wonderful, uh, and I'm glad you grabbed that that excerpt from what Harrison said. What do you know about Harrison Ford's relationship with Peter Mayhew, both on and off the set? You know, he um, he said he loved him, you know, and I believe it. I, they created the one of the most iconic pairs that uh, cinema has ever seen, and I think they had a I think they had a, a deep uh, a deep respect for each other, you know. And I think that it's funny because you watch the um, on YouTube, you can find these, uh, you, you know, Chewbacca speaks or. Peter Mayhew speaks. Uh, if you Google it on YouTube, um, you know, on set, um, Peter Mayhew wasn't just barking and growling and doing the sounds that we all kind of know to be Chewbacca. He was actually speaking lines. He was actually creating a performance on on that set, which I think that uh, you know, for example, in the uh, the Death Star control room scene where they're talking, there's a clip on YouTube where you can hear Peter Mayhew in in the Chewbacca costume um, say, "That old man's crazy," talking about Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and that following that is Harrison Ford's line, um, "Boy, you said it, Chewie. Where did you yeah. dig up that old fossil? Whatever." So you know that he, he was actually interacting performing with these people and uh, you know i think that uh, i think they had a, a a great relationship because they had just done this for so many years together um but that's that's cool for me to, to to see some of those behind the scenes clips where you actually get to hear mayhew talking there's that one there's another one where uh from empire strikes back where chewie's up on the the falcon making some repairs and he's he's yelling at han solo for being absent and not helping out and you you actually hear that dialogue that that back and forth um but i think i think one of the things that 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 really made chewbacca so great and his performance peter's performance of that character so great and so universally appealing what is was the the fact that you didn't have to. You, you didn't have to know what he was saying. You didn't have to understand Chewie's language to understand Chewie. He did such a great job personifying that character and going out and studying at the zoo, bears, monkeys, gorillas, all of these things that he incorporated into this performance, where you never get to hear his voice um, and. and and so I think because because you didn't have to understand what he was, it, it was all emotion, right? It was all conveyed visually in, in that performance. And I think that that made him really appealing to a lot of different people, maybe people who didn't even understand uh, English or, you know, maybe or, or any other. You could, you could look and listen to Peter Mayhew in that costume and know exactly what he was conveying at all times. And that's, that's hard to do. And, you know, m- much more so he, he just has this appeal. It's even more so than say a, a stuffy sounding, uh, British, uh, protocol droid. Right. Even though I love C3PO right. still, um, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't need any of that with Chewbacca. He just, he just connected with people, with audiences, uh, in, in ways that, um, I, I don't think many of the other characters in that film did. He the the thing and I talked about this earlier, of course, on the show with Jim. But the thing that's impressive about Peter Mayhew is that he's able to convey a sincere, legitimate, nuanced performance through motions, through the, his posture, through his walk, and through those those wonderfully expressive eyes. When I and even now, when I watch uh, Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, I don't feel like I'm looking at a mask. I feel like I'm looking at uh, an actor, like a like a, a character. You know what I mean? It never feels like this is a Halloween costume. It feels like this is a Wookiee. This is Chewbacca. Of course, I'm very well aware that he's not real, but Peter Mayhew was real, and he imbibed this this fictional character based on George Lucas's Malumet that you know has has affected so many of us for so many years. I think Harrison Ford. You you said it earlier so beautifully. Harrison Ford came to life 
in a very unique way because of how he and Peter Mayhew fed off of one another. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, this is, um, you know, it's funny you you say this, this character was sort of based or the Genesis of it was, was George Lucas's dog. Right. But yeah, Chewbacca serves a very important purpose in, in mythology, you know, going back to, uh, you know, the, the, the tales of, of Gilgamesh and uh, Jason and the Argonauts, you know, the hero partners, right? Yep. Chewbacca makes up part of that, that hero partner group that, that are part of Luke's journey. And so you can't, it, it's, it's easy to say, well, you're just going to put a guy in a, in a furry suit and have him run around and be a faithful companion to Han Solo. But it's so much more than that. Um, you know, and so you, you need somebody that really, um, and he was not a professional, unlike Anthony Daniels, he was not a professional mime artist, right? This, right. this was, he didn't have, he didn't have traditional actor training. He was an orderly in the hospital, as you guys talked about earlier. Um, you know, so, so you have to have somebody who can bring that uh, real humanity, bring that real, uh, be, be able to connect with, with audiences to fulfill this very important hero partner role that, that makes up, the Star Wars mythology, um, and if you don't have that, then I don't think that I don't think that pairing works. I agree. Yeah, it, it you you have to it, you have to sell it. You have to sell this notion yeah. that there's this it, over seven foot tall uh, walking carpet and, and make it feel like a performance and not just um, a stunt. And and look at the uh, you know one of the first uh, sequences where you really in Star Wars where you really get a glimpse. Uh, into the brilliance and complexity of that performance when they are sitting there at the the Jarek board, which when you and I were kids, they just called it space chess. But in that scene, (laughs) right, you, you go from uh, in just a few seconds, you go from this moment where, you know, Chewie is sort of seen as this kind of unpredictable brute of a character who's going to dismember you potentially, uh, and then you have a couple of lines back then uh, in that moment where C-3PO says the Wookiee win, you, you get this other glimpse of Chewbacca just months later where he, he's understanding the humor of that moment and, and sort of reveling in that moment. And you, and you, you realize that he's not just this uh, hired, hired hand strong man in this relationship. He's, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity that is conveyed in just a few uh, moments in the movie. Yeah, that, that's an, and I, you're talking about a ton of iconic moments right there for sure. Tell me about, uh, you mentioned before we started recording that you did actually get to meet him on one occasion. Tell me about that, what you noticed about him. Yeah. So um, we met, my wife and I met Peter at uh, the premiere for rogue one in Hollywood. Um, he was uh, there. He was, as as most fans know, he by this point he was using uh, a wheelchair. Um, when, when he was uh, a kid, one of the reasons for his height, of course, he was diagnosed with uh, gigantism and, and Marfan syndrome, and uh, his bones essentially didn't have a lot of the same levels of calcium and were not as strong as as uh, as maybe you and I are. So they uh, he, he was using a wheelchair to, to get around. And uh, it was beyond cool to see him at, at this event because, you know, he's one of the, he's one of the originals. And I, and I've told the story before that at the rogue one premiere, I also ran into Dennis Muren, who was one of the, the big um, original visual effects pioneers at, at ILM and how excited I was to see these original, you know, creators still around and still participating. Um, and so we had just a few moments to, to chat with him and, uh, and my wife and I got a picture with him and I told him, uh, this story that we had actually kind of connected previously on Twitter because probably six months before we met, um, my son, who at the time was three years old, 
maybe not quite three. Anyway, well, his first one of his first three syllable words because he had the action figure was Chewbacca. And so <laughs> I love it. So we had he, he had his he had, my, my son, Alex, had his Chewbacca action figure and he would run around with him. And one day we were sitting there and, and he was saying Chewbacca, Chewbacca. And so I got out the camera like like dads do and started recording him. And I said, who is this, Alex? And he goes, Chewbacca. And so I tweeted that to Peter just randomly. I just said, hey, Peter, you know, hi from Star Wars fans. And uh, my this is my son, Alex. And this is uh, his first three syllable word and tweeted him the video and didn't think much of it. And then it was either a day or two later that he retweeted it and not only retweeted it, but like uh proud dad of the year award i he, he said this this young man wins the internet right so wow. i was just like floating it was like amazing oh my god peter may you retweeted our video and said he won the internet it was just like so so cool well that would have been enough just having him like that tweet would have been enough it was great but after that this british tabloid the mirror picked up on it Wow. And it, maybe it was a slow day. Uh, I don't know what they were doing, no, but they, they, they wrote an entire article on, um, on this tweet that we had sent Peter and that Peter had responded and, and did this whole, whole little write up on it um, and, and posted the tweet and the pictures. And it was Dan, it was a, re, it was a legit news article on the mirror website. It's, it's there to this day. Um, That's fantastic. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done recording. So that was cool. Yeah. And so I told Peter and I, we talked about that uh, for, for a couple of minutes. And then uh, as you can imagine at a, at a rogue one premiere, he was, he was pretty popular. So, uh, sure. so he went on his way, but it was, uh, it was an honor to, uh, to speak with him. It was an honor to uh, just be in the same room with him. Really? I mean, I'm not a film historian, so someone will have to correct the record for me, but I can't think of a film in which actors who you never see really or hear really became as well known, at least uh, among the fandom, as people like David Prowse and Peter Mayhew and Kenny Baker and, and Anthony right. Daniels. It, it was really unusual. No, I agree that because typically, if you know, if someone is playing an iconic fictional character or creating a fictional character, you know, you think of someone like you know christopher reeve as superman but yeah but that, that's then that's easier because you've got there's no mask it's just that actor but yeah you're right it's 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 something that the way he carried himself and every time i saw him i saw him at celebration anaheim and then at the solo premiere just mm -hmm. in passing to say hello as he's going by but i i was just always very struck by how smiley and friendly he was and yeah. uh, just a genuinely warm person Absolutely. And when we, uh, the, the day that he passed or the day that we found out that he passed, um, cause it came a couple days later, but the day that it was announced, um, that he had died, we, we did a, the nightline piece you mentioned that night. And one of the things you always hear, uh, from fans is how generous he was with his time and, and trying to go to all of these, uh, all of these cons, all of these events. In fact, um, his family spokesperson told me that uh, he was packed for the next con that he was going to in Dallas. He was packed. He was ready to go um, when when he had his heart attack. And so uh, this was something that um, I thought was an important part of the story to tell. So we we I, I went out and I I tweeted to people. I said, Hey, if you've ever taken a picture with Peter Mayhew um, at, at a con and would like to uh, share it with us, we'll try and include it in our Nightline piece. And I got dozens and dozens and dozens of photographs. Um, and you look at these photographs, and he was so funny. He, would, he, he wouldn't just sit there and smile. He would make these funny faces. He would, you know, bug eyes, just so goofy. And you could tell that he was having fun doing this. And we ended up of course, in a short television piece, I, I think we only ended up using like four or five of the pictures. And so because I thought the picture that all these fans had sent them to me, I took all of the pictures that I did get and put them into a big montage where we showed all of them together. And I just posted that um, online. And uh, so it was neat to see. Uh, and we cut a little bit of... Uh, Chewy audio from the movies 
to go with it. But uh, it was neat to see all of those together because he really did. He he loved the fans. He loved going to these events. Um, and you could see it in all of these photos. I agree. It came through really well. That that had to be daunting to, to find that. But it, in a way, probably it wasn't because they all show that spirit of, of Peter Mayhew and what he was. Before we let you go, uh, what do you know about his collaboration with, with Eunice Utamo as the sort of the passing of the Wookiee torch came to be. You know, and I know that they uh, greatly respected each other. I mean, this was something that really had to pass. I mean, it, when the force awakens came around, the, the way that it was told to me by, by Peter's uh, folks is that a call came sort of a courtesy call from the filmmakers and they said, look, um, we're, we're going to uh, have someone else portray this character. Um, and I, Peter wanted to participate in any way he could, but he had just had double knee replacement surgery. Um, and it, it was, I mean, there was a lot of, you think back to the scenes in The Force Awakens, there's a lot of, um, especially toward the end, there's a lot of climbing and running and things that um, you know, he just couldn't do anymore, but he still wanted to to participate. So I think, you know, it was something that, that had to come to pass. Peter uh, put in a lot of work to uh, to get back into good enough shape that he could at least perform the scenes in the cockpit. Um, he, he went to, to, um, like three hours a day of, of physical therapy and exercise for like four months to get, to get into shape, to be able to do this. And I think, um, JJ Abrams wanted him to do as much as possible, but, uh, but there just comes a time where you, you have to pass the baton, but I think they have, um, expressed great respect. Uh, Eunice is, as uh, continues to talk about Peter online and in postings and in interviews and things about him and, and how much respect he has for him and, and how much he learned from him and the discussions they had about things that Chewie, what Chewie does and what Chewie doesn't do. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I get the sense that it's a, a very, uh, you know, a mutual admiration, a lot of mutual admiration and respect. Totally agree. Yeah. It comes through so much. Uh, there's just, there's just a lot to love about his impact, not only on this famous character, but of course on us as Star Wars fans. Well, Clayton, thank you so much for, for stopping by for a quick cup of coffee and sharing your memories and reflections on Peter Mayhew with us. Where can people reach out if they want to ask you a question or just say hello? Yeah, anytime. Um, I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, Clayton underscore Sandell. C-L-A-Y-T-O-N underscore S-A-N-D-E-L-L. Uh, Instagram at Clayton Sandell ABC. Um, those are probably the two best. Um, hit me up anytime, guys. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are the podcast you're looking for. This is... <laughs> As we close out the show, I want to thank our CWK sponsors, One Nation Coffee, and of course, Mouse Fan Travel. Please support them the way they support our podcast. And remember to listen to new and archive shows of Coffee with Kenobi wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, YouTube, or our website, www.coffeewithkenobi.com, or anywhere you enjoy listening to your favorite shows. And if you listen to us through iTunes, please leave us a review. You can also find us on social media apps such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and would love for you to check us out there. Be sure to listen to our CWK family of shows too, including Legends Library, Resistance Reactions, Comics with Kenobi, and Lattes with Leia. Please leave a review for each of their shows as well, and be sure to subscribe to each of them individually as they all have their own feeds. And in addition to the places I just mentioned for Coffee with Kenobi, you can find me personally twice a month on the podcast Looking at Lucasfilm, part of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, as well as on Twitter at Mr. Zare, M-R-Z-E-H-R. And you can find my writing on CWK's website, as well as StarWars.com, where I am an official blogger there. 
and on IGN where I contribute articles on Star Wars as well as some other popular culture topics. Don't forget to check out www.patreon.com slash coffee with Kenobi to help support this show as well as get access to CWK Prover, our exclusive podcast not heard anywhere else. There are also t-shirts, coffee mugs, and much more. Thank you so much as always for joining me this week and for talking about Star Wars and the wonderful Peter Mayhew. Still, if you have things you want to say about Peter Mayhew, please send them our way. I'd be happy to share them with everyone on the show. We will see you next time, everybody. Have an awesome weekend. And remember, this is the podcast you're looking for. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here. Move along.